But I think for me, one of the most encouraging things is just seeing people who are committing and investing time into understanding God's word. And man, there's nothing more encouraging than that. I love it. And I'm, I just want to um, just say thank you to all of you who are here. Um, my Discord community, we're ready to go quickly. Shout out where you're located real quick. Shout out where you're located. And then we're going to get right into it. Thank you so much, Michelle. Love you too. Love you too. Um, Texas in the house. Good to see y'all. Quickly shout out where you're located. And while you're doing that, go ahead and get situated. We are going to be in Hosea, y'all. We are going to be in Hosea. And we're going to kick off our reading rant. We got Portland, Oregon in the house. CJ, Missouri. Man, my Discord family. Man, I got people from all over on Discord. Um, by the way, join our Discord community, okay? I've, I'm going to keep saying that over and over again for all of you that are flowing in right now. Join us on the Discord community. We got Portland, Oregon in the house. We've got Detroit in the house. Sumter, South Carolina. Good to see you, Reddit. DC. Look at that. Good to see D. Good to see you, DC. We got Kendall in the house. Good to see you, Sherm. Sherm is my boy. I love, I love that guy. Um, Orlando, Cynthia. Good to see you. We've got Germany. We got Heidelberg. I gotta say that right. Heidelberg uh, in the house. Fairfax in the house. Kasimi in the house. Good to see all of y'all family. Um, love, I love our discord fam. Love y'all. You guys are encouraging each other. I, I was getting on discord this morning and of course I came on, I'm a little bit later than I usually am because the internet was down. I guess one of the kids unplugged the router. Anyway, all that to say I came on and I noticed that even though you guys were hanging and waiting for me on discord, you guys were already encouraging one another, praying for one another. People were sharing prayer requests there. I want you guys to continue to do that. Okay. Continue to do that. Continue to encourage one another. We are in this together. Okay. Uh, life was not meant to be done alone and a life in faith was not meant to be done alone. And so I love that you guys are, are encouraging one another, praying for one another. And so I want to encourage you guys to join our discord family as well. We got, we got YouTube in the house, by the way, guys, we now have YouTube going, um, so join or subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you are watching now, like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, but we're going to get started. I got my TikTok fam. Who we got on TikTok here? Who we got on TikTok? I got my IG fam. Who we got on IG? We got Charlotte. We got North Carolina. We got Sydney. We got Nashville. We got Texas. We got Vancouver, Connecticut, Michigan. Oh, my gosh. Texas. Good to see you. Um, you know what? I'm going to block you. Boom, you're blocked. All right. Yep. I have blocked you. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just going to go on here real quick and just block. How do I delete all these comments? I'm just going to report these comments. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, good to see all of y'all. Good to see all of y'all. We're going to remove these distractions. Okay. All right. <clears throat> We're going to remove these distractions. All right. So let's get, let's get to it, y'all. Today, we are spending time in God's word. We are going to meditate in God's word. Gambia, so great to see you. So I want to encourage you as you spend time. This is not Bible study. Like I said, we just went down a whole rabbit hole. This isn't Bible study, but this is a Bible reading. And we're just going to read through the word. And then we're just going to prayerfully ask God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we're going to ask. The second question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? 
And then third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And that's it. We just want to read and hear from God in our reading of his word. So let's get to it. We're going to read chapter one and we're going to pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, by, by the means of the technology that you've inspired mankind to create that allows people from around the world in different time zones, in different places to come together to read your word. Father, I pray in this moment that you would bless this time and bless this moment, Lord, as we come together and gather in your word. Father, I pray that Lord, your spirit would breathe through this time of reading. I pray that you would speak to those Lord, in a very unique way who read this along with us, Father. And we say that in your name and in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let's do it, y'all. Let's do it. Chapter one, verse one, and it says this. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. If you guys have been reading with us, you know exactly where this is. We've read this before. Now we're reading it from Hosea's perspective. When the, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went into Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. Then God said to him, Call her Lo Ruhamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, Call his name Lo Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. <laughs> Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said, You are sons of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, mercy is shown. Bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. I will not have mercy on her children, for they are children of harlotry, for their mother has played the harlot. She has conceived them as behave and has behaved shamefully. 
For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with horns and wall her in so that she cannot find her path. I will chase her lovers. I will not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband. And then it was better for me than now, for she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore, I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. And I will take back my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages that my lovers have given me. So I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the bells, to which she burned incense. She decked herself with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, says the Lord. Verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall, she, she shall sing there. Sorry as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals, and they shall be remembered by their, and they shall be remembered by their names no more in that day. I'll make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground, bow and sword of battle, I will shatter from the earth to make them lie down safely. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me. In righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth and the earth shall answer with grain and new wine and with oil. They shall call Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I'll have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people and they shall say, you are my God. <laughs> Chapter three. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for her children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I brought her for myself for 15. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half gomers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. 
for the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Therefore the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will be waste, will waste away with the beasts of the air, and sorry, with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea will be taken away. Now let no man contend or rebuke another. For you people are like those who contend with the priests. Therefore you shall stumble in the day. The prophet shall also stumble with you in the night. And I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. I also rejected you from being a priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their, iniqui on their iniquity, and it shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. For they shall eat, but not have enough. They shall not commit holotry but not increase. Sorry, they shall commit adult harlotry, but not increase because they have ceased obeying the Lord. Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. My people ask counsel from their wooden idols and their staff informs them. The spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray and they have played the harlot against their God. They offer sacrifices on the mountaintops. They burn incense on the hills, under oaks, poplars, and terebinths, because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters commit harlotry, and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit harlotry, nor your brides when they commit adultery, for the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with a ritual harlot. Therefore, people who do not understand will be trampled. Though you, Israel, play the harlot, let Judah, let not Judah offend. Do not come up from Gilgal, nor go up to Bethaven, nor swear an oath, saying, as the Lord lives. For Israel is stubborn, like a stubborn calf. Now the Lord will let them forage like a lamb in open country. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Their drink is rebellion. They commit harlotry continually. Their her rulers dearly love dishonor. The wind has wrapped her up in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. I want to briefly share a couple of thoughts with you um, in our reading of Hosea. Um, other way, I see the prayer requests. Let's spend a few moments on Discord after the prayer, just praying for those who aren't well today. So we'll we'll invest some time in that, um, as long as we allow time to afford us to do so. Um, 
I just want to share a few thoughts with you guys as we kick off another book. We have read now from Genesis all the way to Hosea. And now we kicked off Hosea. We should be done with Hosea this week. Um, I want to first congratulate all of you who've committed this time. I want to say that. I want to congratulate you for this because, again, I'm not here to teach scripture. I'm here to just meditate over the scripture with you and to see that you guys have committed to to reading every day and to reading for half a Netflix episode every day and to see how much Bible you can get through with half a Netflix. I know this book is thick, okay? But we've read through this stuff with just 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes a day. Y'all, we didn't even spend 20 minutes today reading. And we've already gotten close to half of the book of Hosea. This is all to say that I'm doing this with you to show you that anybody can do this. We can all do this. And what I hope happens is that you begin to see the big picture. I hope that you begin to see, man, this Bible is not as overbearing and as complex as it's been made out to be. The Old Testament, which seems so mysterious and mystical, isn't as mystical and mysterious as I thought. Like I can, I've read through this now and now it all kind of comes together. And I hope you're beginning to see how it all comes together, how this story of Israel is all coming together and how you see these prophets at the end really are giving perspectives to what we've already read in first and second Samuel, in first and second Kings, in first and second Chronicles, in Ezra and in Nehemiah. We've read these, okay? We've read these. And so we read about the days of Uzziah at the beginning of Hosea chapter one. We read the days of Jotham. We read about the days of Ahaz. And we read about the days of Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. We read about these days. <clears throat> and then, of course, the kingdoms, the, the, the kingdom of Israel and the lineage of kings that followed the kingdom of Israel. We read about all this, okay? We read about all this, and now we're beginning to see so much more layer, so many more layers, sorry, so many more perspectives, different vantage points, different angles to what is transpiring to give us insight into what the story really is all about. We see what happens, but there's other things happening behind the scenes. We see what's happening in these these political relations and these economic challenges. We see all these things that are happening, but now we're beginning to see what happens behind the scenes. We see the crimes that are being committed. We see the evil that is being done. And then we see what's happening behind the scenes to give understanding to what is transpiring here. I say all that to say that Hosea is a beautiful book, but it's a challenging book. Hosea is a book that and should encourage you. And at the same time, Hosea is a book that should convict you. Hosea is a book that should, <clears throat> as you read it, reveal to you the heart of God. And it should also expose to you the proclivity of man. The heart of God and the proclivity of man. Let's begin with the proclivity of man. We have a tendency to seek after our version of what a flourishing life looks like. 
we like to chase after our version of what the good life is. We have a tendency to seek after our own agenda, our own beliefs, not realizing that many of our beliefs, many of our own agendas have been rooted in trauma. Many of our agendas have been rooted in brokenness. And if it isn't rooted in our brokenness, it was rooted in the brokenness of the generation that came before us. I say all that because there are many of us who, when we, if we really, really, like we dig down deep and ask the question, why do I do the things that I do? Why do I make the decisions that I make? Why do I roll the way that I roll? What we're going to begin to realize is that many of us are simply motivated to either replicate what the generation before us experienced and did, or to find respite and refuge for our own selves in some of the things that we've encountered in life. I'm only saying this because there are those of us who you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You look back and you say, I'm, I, I lived a pattern of decisions and I've lived a pattern of life that sought after my own comfort, my own greed. I like that. My own selfishness, my own brokenness. I was feeding into something that was broken. And I kept feeding that broken thing, not realizing that broken thing will never be satisfied. That, that, that broken thing, no matter how much I pour into it, it's broken. There's nothing that can be done. There's no refuge. There's no, um, um, there's no potential for, for restoration. Broken. And this is really the story of Israel. By the time we get to Hosea, Israel is a broken nation. By the time we get to Hosea, Israel is a nation that has seen ups and downs, highs and lows, but has never found that place, that, that space, that, that identity. As much as Israel, as much as the Lord has taken Israel from Egypt, brought Israel into the promised land and established a kingdom in Israel, in the promised land, Israel just couldn't get their footing. Just couldn't get their footing. God gave them a law to set them apart, to condition them, to equip them, to, to, to reveal and expose to them that they are holy people. But Israel is still seeking identity through people that are around them. Israel is still seeking identity through the culture. Israel is still seeking identity through the neighboring nations. Israel is not all there. Israel hasn't fully been Israel. Israel hasn't fully um, become Israel. And I say all that because what we see here is we see not only the heart of man, but we see the heart of God. 
the relationship that God wants with humanity is not one apart from humanity. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Many of us, when we get married, we come into the relationship with an agenda. Some of us don't even realize it, but we come with an agenda. We have an expectation of our spouse to be something for us. And sometimes we give precedence for what we expect our spouse to be for us. If I'm broken, then I expect my spouse to fill in a space for me that I can't fill in for myself. There are many of us. Let's just be real. Some of us married folk have set up our spouses for failure. We have made our spouses saviors for places and for things and for traumas that they are not capable of addressing, fixing, or restoring. We have made our spouses into heroes for our lives. One of the worst things I hear couples say is you complete me. What? You complete me. This, this person has now completed who I am as if their role was to complete you. As if their role was to fill in the gaps of your life. Now realizing that there are those of us who do the same thing. We put the pressure on our spouses to fill in gaps that they were never called to fill. We have this expectation that to be complements of one another means to be completions of one another. <laughs> that, that, that you complete me and I complete you, but a healthy, a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship is one in which two people are completed in Christ and together complete the mission that God has accomplished and that God has called them towards. When we think of marriage, we think of a partnership. When we think of marriage, we think of a merger and acquisition. When we think of a marriage, we don't actually think about our call to the mission of God through marriage. What we think about is, how does this benefit me? Now, realizing that oneness, Tammy used a, 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 a beautiful word there, integration. We ought to be made one. And oneness is one that is so deep that we don't even fully understand it because if I'm one with you, married folk, this is what oneness is all about. If I'm one with you, your pain is my pain. If I'm one with you, your gain is my gain. If I'm one with you, your W is my W. If I'm one with you, your L is my L. 
if I'm one with you, I'm deeply, deeply involved and intertwined with who you are and fully aware that you're deeply involved and intertwined with who I am. And together we experience the fullness of life in oneness with one another. Mutuality, mutual benefit and mutual submission to one another. There are those of us who are still looking for our win in the marriage. There are others who will look for their win in the marriage, not realizing there's no one win. Either we win together or we don't win at all. This is the oneness. And ready for this? If I'm one with you, married folk, listen very, very carefully. If I'm one with you, your L is my L and your W is my W. Who you are not only reflects you, but it reflects me now. And what you do doesn't only just reflect you, it reflects me now. If your wife is winning, fam, that makes the husband look good. If your husband is winning, that makes the wife look good. If the husband is glorifying Christ, man, that's that's me giving glory to Christ. If the wife is giving glory to Christ, that's me giving. Why does all this matter? Why, why, why am I going this way with you? Because when you misrepresent your marriage, listen to me very, very closely. This is how deep marriage is. The two shall become one flesh. If a husband is one with his wife and the wife is one with her husband, who she is and what she does doesn't just directly reflect him. It is him. Who he is and what he does doesn't directly reflect her. It is her. So imagine the fundamental fracture that happens in marriage when one person lives a life that does not align with the value of the wholeness of the marriage, the covenant of the marriage. This is what happens when a man steps away and commits adultery. I think sometimes we think, well, I'm stepping away to do this because, you know, maybe I'm, I'm broken inside and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure myself out. And maybe I'm just so tempted by this, this person that I have to go and, 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 and commit this act with this person, not realizing you brought your wife in with them as well. If you're married, and you cheat on your wife, you understand that in the act itself, you brought your wife with it. Ladies, if you're married and you make a decision to step away from your husband, you understand you brought your husband with it. People ask the question, why does it hurt so bad to be cheated on when you're married? Because you are one with your spouse. When your spouse steps away, they've brought you into that. The shame that comes from the exposure is not just a shame experienced by the person who committed it, but even the spouse experiences that shame as well. This is the oneness because we are one with one another. We represent one another. I don't think people understand this is this is what marriage does. 
Marriage makes us one. God's relationship with his people was a marriage. The children of Israel, they were his bride. When God said, I will be your God and you will be my people, God is one with them. And now we get into the heart of God. While mankind has a proclivity towards what is comfortable, while mankind has a proclivity towards what's best for him, what's best for her, God's proclivity is towards what's best for us. Israel is his bride. So you have to understand that when Israel goes and does what Israel does, when Judah goes and does what Judah does, they have to understand that God has been brought into this with them. They say, well, why did God react this way? Notice that, that, their, that their idolatry, God equates to adultery. Harlotry. Adultery is when I just go and slide and, you know, I, you know, I pull to the side and I step away and, you know, do my thing. Harlotry is even worse. I sold myself. Like I, I literally sold myself. Here's the thing. You can't sell yourself. If you're one with Christ, if you're one with your husband, if you're married, you can't sell yourself without selling your husband. Are y'all, are y'all with me here? I, I hope y'all, I hope you guys are catching what I'm saying. You can't sell yourself without selling your husband. You can't be a married harlot and for your husband not to be brought into your harlotry. You guys aren't just sharing a last name. You're one with each other. You don't get to have just your own agenda. You're one with each other. So many of us want the benefits of marriage, but we don't understand the fundamental cost of marriage. What the benefits of being in relationship, but we don't want to assess the cost of relationship. Marriage is going to cost you everything. And you won't get to fully enjoy the full benefit of marriage until you acknowledge that I've got to give all of me for this to work. There are many of us who still give just a part of us. We're going to protect a little bit of us. We still have our own agenda. I got to make sure I take care of me. Make sure I do me, not realizing in doing so, you're actually diluting the value of your marriage. The two shall become one flesh. How can you be one? If you're still protecting your own space and your own agenda. God is all in. 
with his people. This is why marriage is powerful, y'all. I was, I don't know, man. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, it's just some weird stuff. Like people are saying, well, you know, the Bible does not, um, the Bible doesn't affirm, um, you, know, uh, you know, faithfulness or monogamy and, and the Bible doesn't affirm, um, you know, uh, you know, I guess the, the Christian perspective on, on polygamy is not biblical. Because the Bible is full of examples of men who lived in polygamous, polygamous relationships. I know some of y'all heard this, right? I, I, you guys had to have heard this. Okay, it can't be on my own. Here's the problem. Just because, and I want to make sure you understand this. For those who say that the Bible affirms polygamy, or for those who say that the Bible does not promote monogamy, I have this one thing to say. And this is really, really important. It's just because you see something transpire in the Bible doesn't mean that the Bible affirms it as right. Just because you see that there are polygamous relationships in the Bible does not necessarily affirm that God wants us to be in polygamous relationships. There's murder in the Bible. There's rape in the Bible. There's human trafficking in the Bible. There's sex trafficking in the Bible. All that is in the Bible, just because it's in the Bible, doesn't make it right. The question we have to ask is, what is the purpose of marriage? What does marriage embody? What is the Christian perspective of marriage? It's one of monogamy. It's one of God and his people. God does not want to have a relationship with anyone else but his people, and he expects his people to be faithful to him. He wants us and him to be one. You have to understand that the attack on marriage, the attack on marriage is an attack on the very heart and the character of God. I say all this, and I don't, I want to make sure y'all understand this is all in love. Okay. This is all in love is we got to rethink how we, how we even our perspectives on marriage. If you're not ready to give up all of yourself, to give up your own agenda, to establish a new agenda, one that embodies God's agenda, then my friend, listen, rethink this marriage thing. Okay. If you want to do your thing. Do you know? Because right now, you know, marriage is pulling resources together. Marriage is all that. I'm ranting y'all if y'all didn't notice. Marriage is about, it's a life. It's a sacrifice of your life. And you cannot get there until you realize that my identity is not mine apart from my spouse. God said, I will be your God and you will be my people. Listen, man. I love my old lady, okay? Love her. Who Vanessa is and what Vanessa does directly reflects on me. And who I am directly reflects on her. You're seeing Vanessa right now. You're seeing her right now. So if I were to step out, if I were to put other things before her, if I were to 
seek out my own agenda. You have to understand that I bring shame to her, not just to myself. If there's anything worse, what a cheating spouse brings is not just shame to themselves, but shame to their spouse. Sometimes we simply think about what it is for me. Oh, I want to make sure I don't get caught not realizing you've already shamed your spouse. If you've brought your spouse into defilement. I don't think we realize how deeply shameful it is for your spouse when they find out that you stepped out on them. We simply just think about what it is for us not realizing you're one with your spouse. You go and cheat, you brought your spouse with you too. You don't have a choice. These people were cheating on God. They were committing adultery. And God says, no, you are not my people. And, the, and I will not be your God. This is the oneness. So we see the heart of man. Now we begin to see the heart of God. God's like, hold up. I made you my people. I was one with you. I was one with you. And now you don't realize that you're bringing me where you're going. You, you don't realize you brought me into this harlotry. You sold yourself, sold yourself for all the cheapness of the world, sold yourself for the vicissitudes of life, sold yourself for all the things that don't mean much. And what did you sell yourself for? The same stuff that I'm offering to you. Oh, listen, fam, these people were offering, they were trying to seek after what the world had to offer, and yet God was already giving it to them. They wanted affirmation, God gave it to them. They wanted peace, God gave it to them. They wanted, God was offering to them. Are you ready for this? What God offers is better than what the world offers. What God offers is better. The linen, the clothes, all those were better. And God's like, you chose theirs over mine. They were offering the same stuff and I, I was offering you better. And you still went and you, you, you committed harlotry for their stuff. I had better linen, better wine. I had better oil. I had better stuff. This is what we do. This is how many of us, let's just be real. Fam, how many of us? went after something other than God to get something that only God can give. And so what we ended up getting was a counterfeit, cheap version of what God was offering us from the beginning. We wanted affirmation. So we sought it after a man or a woman. We wanted promotion. So we sought it after a man or a woman, not realizing that we were getting cheap, counterfeit versions of what God, we wanted peace. And we thought we would get it from, from the world. And we thought we would get it from other people not realizing, hold on a second. God was offering me all this stuff. And what God offers is better. Imagine what God is saying. He's looking at you going, fam, why are you going after their stuff when I've got something so much better? Just come to me and I will give you rest. Fam, I'm looking at this text. 
And I don't know if y'all seeing what I'm seeing, but these people keep chasing after it's 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 the insanity of humanity that we do this. Chasing after the wool and the linen and the oil and the drink of the world, not realizing God's got better oil, better wool, better linen, better drink. But it's our insanity that keeps doing it. And know, know how offensive that is to God because I'm selling, making other things my God. When God wanted to be one with me, imagine these people who are married to God. Married to God. God is one with them and they're selling themselves for things that God had already offered. Just think about that for a second. Like there's some stuff we're chasing after. If we really if we can be real honest with it, man, <laughs> it's cheap. Whatever money brings is cheap. At the end of the day, you can buy yourself a Bentley in four years. It, it, it goes bad falls apart. You can buy yourself a nice house and then after a while it gets outdated. You can you can chase after all the stuff the world offers and in the end it, it doesn't give you what you thought it was going to give you. Now here's the crazy part. This is the power of oneness. When they sold themselves understand that God is in that. When they fell into harlotry, know that God is in that. God can't divorce the people that he's one with. He's already one with them. And even though Israel is outselling themselves, even though Israel is outselling themselves, they don't realize that they're selling God in the process. So if they're going to sell themselves, God said, then let me buy them back. Whew. This is the power of oneness, y'all fam. This is the love that God has for you. As much as you sold yourself, to the vicissitudes of life as much as you cheapened your value for a man or a woman, as much as you sold what was important, as much as you squandered all the things that were beautiful in you for stuff and you valued those things over God. Here's what's crazy is God gave all of himself to buy you back. He went in to your dark place where you were selling yourself and he went to go find you there to buy you back. You didn't get yourself out of this. God went in and got you out. And I know there's some people here who got a testimony to say that if it was not God, even in the midst of my sin and my ugly and all of that, God came in. You want to know why? Because God said, you're mine. And because you're mine, I'm going to do whatever it takes to buy you back. This is how profound God's love is. But understand that God's love is rooted in who he is. God is not separate from Israel. God has, and it's, it's going to sound weird that I say it this way, 
but God has no choice but to buy you back. Because he's one with you. And so, and we're not going to get into this, but we can talk about this as we journey through the rest of Hosea tomorrow. But fam, think about this for a minute. Just think about this for a minute, y'all. He tells Hosea to go get married to a harlot and then to buy her back and make her his wife. No, sorry, to buy her back because she was his wife. Just so Israel can know what God has to do for them and what God is doing for them. As much harlotry, and let's be real, if we can all be honest in here, okay, maybe I'm by myself, but if we can all be honest in here, we have all played the harlot, okay? We have all played the harlot. Some of us are playing the harlot right now. And ready for this? We wait for the judgment of God. We wait for God to punish us not realizing that God is one with us. And if God is one with us, what does he do? He purchases you back. He didn't wait for you to get it together to purchase you back. He purchased you back before you got it together. 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. He said to her, you shall stay with me many days and you shall not play the harlot. He took her back. How many guys in here would go and would go to the whorehouse? They found out their wife was in the whorehouse. How many guys would actually go to the whorehouse and pay to buy their wife back? Most guys would be like, man, I'm just going to give me another one. <laughs> Whatever. And not to say that if your wife was in a whorehouse, if you weren't permitted to divorce her, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, just think about that for a moment. This is how profound God's love is. And this is how many of us miss it. We miss it, y'all. Say it one more time. How many of us Let's talk about it, guys. How many of us would actually go to the whorehouse to buy our wife back if we found out that she was a prostitute in a brothel? How many of us would actually go in and say, listen, I heard my wife has been whoring here for the last four months, and I just want to come here and pay whatever I got to pay, whatever money she owes, so I can get her back. Well, she came in there by her own choice, by her own volition, by her own will. So, sir, you're going to have to talk to her about it. You know what? I'm going to go in there. I'm going to talk to her. And I'm, when, when you walk into that room and you see her, imagine you see her with another person. Imagine you go into that room and you pull in, pull her out of that room. And then you say to her, hey, listen, I just spoke to the guy up front and I paid for all your sessions. So you don't ever have to come back here again. I just need you to come back to me. This is be real, guys. Most of us wouldn't even do it. But that's how profound God's love is for her. And that's what Hosea teaches us. That God who showed up to us in our own harlotry, loved us enough to buy us back so that we can be back into relationship with him. God never separated himself from his people. He sacrificed it all because he was all for his people. All for his people. And this is the part 
that we got to understand about the profound nature of God's love. I don't know if anybody's read the story of Hosea and Gomer, but we can spend hours and hours on this because we've all done what Gomer did. Gomer is us. We are all Gomer. And yet God is God. And now we begin to see the heart of God, even though we see the proclivity of man. There are those of us right now who are still whoring ourselves. Some of us right now. And, and there's no judgment, y'all. I'm going to say that right now. There ain't no judgment. You want to know why? Because we've all whored ourselves. Every single one of us, including this guy right here. Okay, we've all prostituted ourselves. And yet God still showed up and bought us back because he loves us that much. I guess you can turn a hoe to a housewife if you're God. <laughs> and we've all been that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't call this episode that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I'm tempted to do it, but I won't. I'll post it, but I won't. <laughs> oh, but that's what God did. He did it to all of us. And so we can be grateful for that. Thank God for his love. I got everybody saying, yeah, go ahead. Call this episode, Hold a Housewife. <laughs> I don't know that. I might call it dot, dot, dot to a housewife. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call it that. I'm going to leave this one up on YouTube and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to leave this one up on YouTube and I will, again, periodically, sporadically leave them up on YouTube as well um, for you guys. And I'll make this available to you guys on Patreon. But I want you to leave here today reminded of how profound God's love is for you. God doesn't separate himself from you. He loves you deeply and gave it all to buy you back from your harlotry. Love y'all, fam. God bless y'all. Father, I thank you for reminding us of your love towards us. Lord, that you loved us so much that you didn't separate yourself from us, but rather, Lord, you gave all of who you are for us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that Lord, reminding us of this today, Lord, that our transformation doesn't come out of our performance, but it comes out of your love. That we don't become who you've called us to be out of what we're able to do, but Lord, because you have purchased us and bought us back. So Father, remind each and every person here that they have been purchased, bought back by your blood, by the greatest sacrifice of all, so that we may be free to be who you've called us to be. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. Gotta go. Gotta take the kids to school. Please, we got a Discord community here. I'm going to close real quick and I'm going to uh, pray for a few of you on Discord real quick. Um, but I, I love that we got so many of y'all folks now on Discord um, who are listening in, who are tuning in. So I want to encourage you to join the Discord community. That's Opus Free on Discord. I want to encourage you to do that. Um, I want to encourage you to pray about becoming a patron. I know that it's 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 ten dollars a month. For some of you, it is a big deal, um, and for some of you, it might not seem like a big deal, but it is a huge deal for me. So I just want to encourage you guys to uh, prayerfully consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Um, 
It's patreon.com. You can click the link in the bio, but it's patreon.com slash um, Isaac Frere. And if you're wondering how to get on Discord, just text me 954-231-1848. After this, I'll text you um, the link to our Discord, but it's Opus Frere on Discord. Um, so, uh, yeah, so 954-231-1848. All right. So join Discord, join, join Patreon. Everything else follows after that. Okay. Everything else follows after that. We got a whole community of there, people who are encouraging one another, praying for one another. And man, the community is growing on Discord. I just got started, but I love this platform because I can stay connected with you all throughout the day. I can now hit you guys up randomly if I want to. Um, and so love y'all. Um, love you guys very much. Please keep us in prayer and prayerfully consider supporting. Our goal is to reach 100 patrons, 100 more patrons before the end of the year, because that's going to make everything. Um, it's going to allow us to now open into new things and to engage into new endeavors. And so um, I've got plans for what I want to do moving forward, but I'm just praying. It'll be 1K. Praise the Lord for that. If I can really grow this thing, I mean, that's what we're looking to do. So anyway, love y'all fam. Keep us in prayer. Praying for a hundred more. If you're on Discord, if you're on, if you're a patron already, encourage your friends, family, encourage them to join. Um, we need your support, y'all. We need your support. The number is 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. I will see you guys tomorrow. Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. Peace out.